We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 348 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dave Hilton, and joining me all the way from the Peña Blancrana, Los Angeles, and somebody who, older fans of the pod, if you will, like going back to like 2017, 2018, will know, it is Jose Morataya. How's it going, Jose? Pretty good, pretty good. Thank you, Dan, for the invite. Always appreciate it, and always welcome to, you know, join you on the, on the show. Thank you for having me. Well, Jose has some pretty good titles. He is the co-founder of the Peña Blagrana Los Angeles, as well as the current president. And unfortunately, Jose, you have the unenviable task of discussing Barca's one thing lost to Raya Varcano. But before we get to that, would you like to play a quick game of Here's Some Positivity? Let's do it. <laughs> all right. So I got three things for us. It's not really a game. It's more we're going to do three quick th- quick hits before we get to all the negative stuff, which is the first team. And first and foremost, on Friday, for those who are listening to Friday's show, while I was talking to Kevin Williams, the Barca Femini, the game was going on, but that one did final. Uh, the final of that was 5-1, a demolition of Wolfsburg. While we were recording that, as I said, 91,000 plus people once more filled the stadium, and then the return leg in Germany is on Saturday, and for all intents and purposes, the Femini will be going through, so that is a little piece of positivity for you. I've got two more for you, Jose. You ready? Go for it. So number two would be Ferran Juglan. I think we actually have a quick brief discussion about this one. Juglan led Barca B over the weekend to a 5-0 victory and now has 21 goals between the B team and the first team. He scored 12 goals in his last 13 games. Seven of them have come in the last 20 minutes of the game. And he's clearly having an impressive season at Barca B. Unlike Easy Abde, who has really struggled as of, we'll say, late or even since he was put back to Barca B, Around uh, around the new year, Jugla has really never stopped scoring. He's been the guy that Barca B needed him to be. To if not for him, they would basically be relegated down to the third or the fourth division rather, because they're in the third division yeah. now. But Jugla, does he have a future in the first team, Jose? It's funny that you ask, because one of my members uh, asked me about that yesterday while watching the game, and uh, I told him as of now, uh, it's hard to see how he can fight for a spot, but based on the numbers you were talking about, I don't see why not. But again, I think at this time, the way we are with the first team, I think we need a more solid striker, you know, like more season, more experience, I could say. But I mean, based on the numbers and everything, I mean, I will give him a shot. I mean, he he had the shot with Kuman, 
So, and he was doing well with us for a few games that he played. It, it, it will be hard, but I'll, I'll give him a shot. Yeah, I am interested to see how next season that forward depth chart does shake out. As I talked about when he was on the first team, he's no spring chicken. He's getting up there. And by getting up there, I mean he's his mid-20s. But he, it's not like he's a fresh face or a player that might necessarily develop a lot, though we have seen him between Espanol Bay and Barca B now. He has taken a bit of a leap. And I think that should be noted that he might not say be a different player, but be playing with more confidence. And for these goal scorers, it really does truly come down to how much confidence they have. And he has a lot of it right now. So if he can carry that through the summertime and Barcelona don't decide to, you know, basically resell him because certainly he would be a, a value for a market because he was he came on a free transfer. And now if you're able to sell him for even four mil or five million to some other team in Spain that, that, that truly needs a, a striker, uh, he could also play on the wing. So I mean, maybe he'll be just a market opportunity, but we'll have to see. And then the last piece of positivity I have for you is Jorge Alastui, whose story, if, if if those who might not know it, he suffered a pretty nasty leg injury. What was now, I think, two years ago or three years ago, and it took him an entire year to come back. And this season, he's been playing between the Juvenil Bay and the Juvenil A. And because of said leg injury, he was playing, well, he used to be a captain. He was basically a captain on a lot of those teams coming up through when he came from Real Zaragoza at a young age. And instead of continuing to develop with his other teammates up to Juvenal A, and then some of which are even with, in, in Barca B nowadays, Alastui is kind of off that path. And for him to work his way back, he wound up scoring the goal against Cornea in stoppage time with the Juvenal A, which is now his right age group, to win that title. And it's no surprise when the Juvenal A or the Cadet A win the, the title. It's usually the best of the Juvenal Bay and Juvenal A groups, as well as for Cadet A, Cadet A, and Cadet Bay. And then also 17-year-old forward Victor Barbera scored again. 19 goals for him this season, 6 assists. And in the last four seasons in Juvenal A, only Ansu Fati had a better individual season in terms of numbers. 20 goals and 9 assists for Ansu Fati. So in, with the four matches remaining, Barbera can match that mark of Ansu Fati. So I'm not saying that Victor Barbera, who is also a new player coming from CF Dom, and is pretty much unheralded at the Spanish youth levels as well. So kind of an unknown product that Barcelona might have, we'll say, a good one in the future. And for Alastui, yeah, he's 18, 19. But for Barrera, just 17, maybe Barca have another good one on their hand. And, you know, I bring up Jukla and Barbera just because the forward chart for next season between Lute de Young, Brathwaite, Memphis Dubai, Ansu's health. I mean, who is going to even be on that forward line for Barca next season? It seems like they need to bring in four or five players. So I don't know. One of these players might get, you know, eight to ten games next year. Yep, I mean, yeah, again, we go back to, to the same thing where, you know, we have so many players in front that we don't know who may stay, who may leave. It's so hard based on years, you know, like how Barcelona pretty much is bad on selling players or like to get rid of players that as of now, it's, you know, it's for kids to have a spot, a chance on the first team, it's, it's very difficult. And again, with the names that you just mentioned, that we may or may not have, you know, with the comeback of Ansu next next year, fully healthy. I mean, what positions are you going? Are we going to have Dembélé? You know, I mean, who who we're going to have? It's it's limbo right now. And for the young kids, I think the way we are still, we need more seasoned players on front to more experience to have to be able to accomplish these tough games that sometimes we have to get stuck and something that the kids may not be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that we do discuss that because now we're going to pivot to talking about that Ryabarcano loss. And for the second straight game, Gabi was 
we'll say one of the most influential players, one of the ones who was fighting and one of the, it's very difficult after a match like that. It's a challenge really to separate the individual performances because for the fifth straight match, you can say that the entire team was poor against Ryan Vaicano. And to me, Jose, the problems are twofold here and maybe more fold. You can add wrinkles if you'd like, but I want to focus on two major pieces here. One is the walking injured and the fact that the current team is clearly fatigued and burnt out. And the other one, you know, kind of does. I mean, that one does kind of include all the transfers needed over the summer. But two is the more serious one to me. And that is the mentality of the team. And whether they're young, whether they're seasoned professionals, been around for a long time, Champions League winners, whatever, you know, a mentality, it clearly is a problem that there is a mentality in that team right now, even under Xavi, that allowed FC Barcelona to lose three straight matches at home for the first time ever. I mean, we're talking Louis van Gaal. Well, technically, they did it between 97-98 and 98-99 over the course of those seasons. But again, there was a summer break in the middle, so you don't really count that. So in the course of one season, three straight matches for the first time. Charlie Reshak, again, Louis van Gaal, Ernesto Valverde, Kike Setien, you know, you name it. No manager. I mean, Xavi's going to have 4 nothing at the Bernabeu on his resume. But he's also going to have the only manager in at least the Camp Nou history, because it's harder to go back uh, before that to like court and all that stuff. But yeah, the first manager in Camp Nou history, which is almost 70 years, to lose three straight at home. That's rough. Yeah, it's, it's very rough. I, I totally agree with you right now. It's, it's more mentally than, I'm not going to say the physically, because physically comes to part two. It's part of my notes over here that, as you remember, there were a couple of players that when they left Barcelona, they mentioned that with Kuman they were not fully practicing at a high level. They can see the difference, you know, when they're in a different club or the players now that they're with Xavi that they're practicing now with more intensity. So that takes an effect. Also, it's been rough because at the kind of when Xavi took the team, at one time, I don't remember who was, it was the second or third match when we had about 9 to 11 players injured. So he was, you know, Xavi came out dealing with some issues from the get-go that you push these players to a limit where they're not, they were not used to. And now we're paying the price because now they're, they're either tired, fatigued, like you mentioned, or they're getting injured. So it's... Somebody said it on Twitter. We need we need a, a psychologist for this team right now because it's they're mentally broken right now and they get frustrated and then it seems that they cannot overcome that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there was a little bit of a defense against Real Sociedad because they continue to have a bad performance, but clearly a win I think changed that narrative. But also Real Sociedad didn't play in a low block; they played in a medium block, and the problems mm. have been against a low block where Eintracht Frankfurt. They didn't really play necessarily a low block either. It was a medium to low block, wanting to counterattack. And yeah, they just punched Barcelona in the mouth. And Barca didn't recover from that on a European night. But Cadiz and Ravacano are more worrying because game in and game out, that's what you're going to have to deal with. If you want to win the Liga, if you want to challenge anywhere, you've got to pick up points against teams that are going to just bunker down the hatches. And what makes it so frustrating is how ugly those games are. I mean, a plus 11 because Raya Varkana was just rolling around. And it was difficult to be angry at any one player on Raya Varkana because their goal was to score early and then, again, just dig in as hard as they could. And that's what they did. So if you're going to concede first, which Barcelona just keeps doing, now they've conceded first in 15 of 32 matches under Xavi, coming back only four of those 15 times. 
And especially the way that they conceded in yesterday's game, Avaro Garcia gets a better Serginho Dest. I mean, really a rough, rough defensive play for Serginho Dest to put that mildly. I mean, it doesn't get over to the block, doesn't track the run. And yeah, it's a really good pass from Issy Palazon, but you have to be there. You have to block that. You have to make sure that that ball doesn't go in the back of the net because it winds up pe- beating Ter Stegen at the near post. And that's got to be covered by the defender. And then Dest afterwards to to come out at halftime, not with not because of any tactical reason. Because again, I didn't think other than that one mistake, I didn't think he was particularly terrible. He works decently well with Dembele. But now he's out for the rest of the season with a hamstring injury. Of course, because if a player comes yeah. out at halftime for Barcelona, it's not because of a tactical change usually. It's going to be because they're out injured and they're going to be injured for now. And again, the rest of the season, you lose him as well. And as I look at the same thing with the B team, actually, as I look at the B team and the first team, there's so many names in these 11s where I'm going to, where, where I, I start to ask, you know, how many of these 11 players are going to be trusted for next year? Or how, what do we learn from Ling Lei being on the field when we know where the club stands on Ling Lei? Danny Alves, we know exactly what Danny Alves is. And we're not sure exactly how healthy he is, but, you know, what are you going to learn more from Danny Alves? For Eric Garcia, it's, it's always hot and cold, up and down, depending on the day. And so, you know, you go out throughout the squad and other than, hoping Frankie de Young recovers his form and hoping that Gabi again just continues to be more influential and takes not even a leadership role, but just becomes more impactful on the offensive side of the game, which, you know, it's a lot to ask a 17 year old, but that's basically where you're at right now. And then is Dembele, because even Dembele for all the good things he does, and he has certainly helped Barcelona get results in the last few months. What is that for? For, for a player that's leaving on a free, you know? So it's like, what, what are Kool-Aid's hanging on to right now? And even if Ansu comes back against Mallorca, which is rumored that he might, we're just going to be sitting there and crossing our fingers and saying, please just don't get injured. You know, regardless of what happens, just don't get injured, Ansu, please. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a complicated situation. I mean, the way how everything is being, you know, handled from the get-go. I think uh, our mistake was uh, starting the summer, where if we were gonna do a change, it was the coach, you know, to start with the right foot from the beginning, not in the middle of the season where you know everything's already has started. Little going back, tracking what you said right now, going you know on, on desk. There was a version yesterday on ESPN. Um, we were listening in Spanish, and uh, one of the reporters mentioned that one of the reasons that he got subbed it was because he was told to defend the Rayo uh, attacker 
they show him videos of how this player moves. And on that goal, he, like you said, he was not doing his duty. He let him pretty much do his cut and get the ball and never blocked it the way supposed to. And that was one of the reasons that he got subbed during the halftime. Now, obviously, there's a report that he's injured. So, you know, you can go both ways. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's something that I guess if they, you know, they show you a lot. Obviously, we didn't have too much time preparation because we play on Thursday. And the game was on Sunday, so we didn't literally have that much. But again, this is something where, you know, you 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 as a defender got to do your homework. And apparently he didn't do it. Then with Eric, it's the same thing. Like you said, it's hot and cold. It's uh, Sometimes it's frustrating because you see sometimes on the replays and either it's either out of position, it's either hugging up an attacker where, like, you don't, you don't need to hug the player, you know? It's, it's, it's rough. And then, again, when they're playing that the low block that you mentioned, it's, you know, I think that, you know, they need to open more the field, have these players, our attackers, move into the space or create an, a space so somebody like Frankie can, you know, move up. But at the same time, Frankie, uh, I'm going to say it's a little bit mentally blocked right now or, like, frustrated because he got some spike during the season, but then, again, he went low. I don't know what could it be. And again, going to our, can't ask too much for our kids, you know? I mean, the guts that Gabby's been putting in all these matches, you expect that from the seasoned players, but at the same time, you can't ask too much from Boosie. You know, he's he's a veteran, you know? And we we're missing a, a, our backbone in the defense with PK, you know, putting in control. You can ask that right now from, you know, Araujo because he's been all over the place. When he needs to play as a right back, he plays it as a right back. When he plays as a central, he does it well. But at the same time, we need another one in that keep us in check. When PK is out, you can really see that that difference on the back that you know nobody's there in putting that control. Yeah, on Wednesday I will have coming out a players that I still think Barcelona need to look at in the transfer window. There are going to be some names that I think people don't know. And that's kind of where I'm looking at at this point, because for the number of players that Barca needs, now, now the number that was thrown out there was nine, and that number keeps changing. But you also don't know the financial situation that Barca's in. Like, yeah, it was always known that Barca could not afford Holland. I mean, maybe through a CBC deal or the Spotify deal, whatever, maybe they could have. But the, the truth of the matter is with the wage bill being even what it was and needing players to leave to come in, like you're still stuck in the same problem you had in January, the same problem you had in the summertime. And looking at, and unfortunately, this is what, as coolly as what we do, looking at the reinforcement that Real Madrid are getting, which is Mbappe, now it looks like Rudiger, and likely to a many. I mean, that is that would be the perfect summer for Barcelona, but that's not the case. And so Barca are going to have to find discount versions of you know, not, I mean, not, not a discount version of those players, but reinforced in, in multiple spots around the field. And if anything, you know, as much as I, I keep saying, the biggest transfers that Barca could commit to or the, that they could make this summer are already in the team. That is being, if they can figure out a way to get Ansu Fati 80% of what he was and decently healthy, keep him on the field. If you can get Pedri on the field and keep him on the field, if you can renew Dembele, then not to say that this team is fine, but they do have some of the stars that are going to be able to maybe not beat Real Madrid in the Liga next season, but can be in the Champions League, can contend, can do some things, and certainly take what is rebuilding year number one and turn that into rebuilding year number two and make some progress in that way. And unfortunately, you know, I, I keep trying to sidestep it, but 
it's glaring and smacking me in the face that without Pedri, this team has eight wins, seven draws, and six losses on the season. With him, it is 10 wins and two draws. And Jose, not to say that Pedri is this magnanimous figure, as I, I said, there's a messy quality about him, the way that he was scoring a goal or popping up in the right spot. But when this team is trying to break down a low block, to understand how quickly Pedri moves the ball, it's like it's night and day how much slower the ball moves between players. And, you know, you mentioned Frankie De Young, and that's the frustrating regression from, from him because you saw as they were winning those 15 games, un- or not winning, but as they went 15 games unbeaten, you saw that the synapses were going quicker, that the gears were moving, and that De Young was playing a lot more one-touch. His positioning with Busquets was useful to moving the midfield up to field as one unit, and it seems like everything was working. And now in a matter of five matches, all of that is gone, and now he's disenfranchised uh, disenfranchised for being subbed off the field in, in, instead of Busquets or Gabi because Busquets plays 90 minutes every time. Uh, and so, you know, that's concerning to me, that all the progress that it seems like De Jong has made is regression. And if you think about the way that De Jong was before that he started to play well, and now we see what he's become again, that to me says that that time in the middle when he was one-touch passing and moving it well, that was more a systemic byproduct of the team playing well as a whole and everybody moving the ball well and De Young kind of capitalizing on that as opposed to De Young being able to, like Pedri, pace the game, force the tempo of a game and be that that figure that does kind of control where the ball is, when the ball is and, and how fast it goes from one side of the field to another. And once more, it seems like De Young cannot harbor that responsibility. Yeah, exactly. It seems like you were reading my notes then. But about Pedri, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, exactly. I got the same thing. Pretty much, what exactly what you just said. You know, those numbers. You know, it's, it's the numbers you said. You know, when he's playing, we got ten wins, two draws, no losses, and when he doesn't play, you know, we're pretty much kind of like a fifty percent. You know, like probably a little bit lower than that. So it's not surprised when he's not on the pitch. It, it's it's incredible how we how we not not match the tempo that we need you know it's like uh the little engine that we have you know and the movement that he that that he does pretty much opens up spaces either for ferran for alba you know and then frankie like you said you know his movements are more freely he he's more open and he's more of uh how can i say more comfortable attacking and the pressure that also that provides with pedri you know on on the defenders when they'll try to you know get the ball the the other team trying to get the ball and the pressure that he puts again he provides that 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 tempo that other you know our teammates look for you know like something that you can see from Gabby you know like he got the guts but kind of like nobody else is matching that with Pedri he controls that and like it, it seems like everybody's following it and I think whenever we get that combination again, Pedri and Asu, I, I think we're we're gonna be we're gonna be good because I mean those two together, they're gonna do some damage. Like you said, we it's probably gonna take a minute to probably able to compete with you know Real because they're doing the the signings that they're gonna do and they're well solid signings. So there's no surprise there that it's gonna we're gonna have a hard time competing them in, in La Liga, but. I think us doing the right signings, you know, nothing obviously fancy because we cannot afford that. But we have set our backbone already with our young players. Like you said, transition one, 
this should be done. This should be done the year transition one, but because we didn't do it from the beginning last summer, now we're kind of like doing it now. And people forgot about that, that this was a transition year because we had the 15 unbeaten streak games. You know, people forgot about it. We went to Bernabeu, we scored four, and we thought we had everything. You know, we were back in track. And we just got a reality check this past couple, last couple of weeks. I thought the FIFA break was actually going to help us, you know, to like recuperate a couple of players that they were injured or tired after the uh, the Clásico. But again, it's not surprising. When there's a FIFA break, Barcelona suffers the next week or so because it's either they come injured or they we just lost momentum. In this case, we lost momentum and happens what happens. But at the same time, is is what we have is the reality that we. We have this year and we just have to take it and again next year with the right people i think with the right mentality because we need to have people that wants to be in it and play their full every single match because sometimes i feel like they're players that they're not in there you know like they they take them a minute to react and it's like you don't want that you want something that it's in there and again with the right fitness training from the beginning, I think it's going to benefit us at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what makes this downturn so frustrating is that I felt like a little bit of ease of that top four race, but now that top four race is certainly not over. And that is what the concerning thing is. That game in hand was always this mythical thing. And I, I think I saw something from TIFO football a little while ago that Game in hands are one or three points are collected like 58% of the time, which is, you know, pretty good, which is something that turns out the game in hand is usually helpful because, I mean, the other big reason is too, the team that has a game in hand was usually in some kind of other competition that they did some winning to deserve to be in, which is the case for, for Barcelona in the past. <laughs> they won their way to get mm -hmm. a game in hand and made it far enough in competitions to get that game in hand. But the Liga standings is where I begin to worry again, because with just, what is it now, five games remaining you think that things are pretty much in good shape for FC Barcelona, that they should be able to get over the line. They should be able to finish, not just second, but finish somewhere. But, I mean, losing this game now leaves the door wide open for Real Betis in the race for the top four. Now, between Sevilla, Barca, Atleti, and Real Betis, they are all truly within six points of one another with five matches to play. For Barca, three of those five, including the next one against Mallorca on Sunday, three of those five are at home which would normally guarantee success, but it's not the case right now. Mm. And I think that's what makes it so, you know, nerve-wracking or frustrating that you look at recent form of all these teams. Barcelona have win-win-loss, win-loss, those two losses to Cadiz and Raya Vallecano. For Sevilla, it's a draw, a loss, a win, a loss, and a win. For Atleti, it's win-win-loss, win-draw. And for Albetis, it's draw, win-win, draw, loss. So the only thing that really goes in Barca's favor is looking at some of the other results that those other top, say, five teams have, have gotten other than Real Madrid, and they might limp their way to the finish line as well. And it's it, it says a lot about all of the ways that these Spanish teams, and I think other than Real Madrid, I think it's showing you that even though the top level, we'll say the champagne football that the Spanish league is capable of is just as good. It's why Villarreal is still in the Champions League. It's why Real Madrid is still in the Champions League. It's why Atleti playing their own quote-unquote way, you know, really gave Man City a bit of a scare there. 
and why Sevilla were title contenders for so much of the season. And I didn't even mention Real Sociedad. So again, when these teams that are at the top third of Spanish football are playing their best, yeah, it's really good to watch and it can compete across Europe. But these kind of results between two through five recently do remind you that Spanish teams just don't have the financial spending medal that these Premier League teams have that the Bayern Munich has. So I think that for these Spanish teams, over the course of a La Liga season, you're seeing much more of a lack of depth. And that's what you're seeing in Barcelona right now. With Des going down, it means that 38-year-old Alves has to do the job. Or you hope that PK comes back healthy enough and he slots right back in next to Eric Garcia or uh, preferably Eric Garcia, I guess, and Langley potentially instead of Eric Garcia. And then Araujo is now your new right back. And that's pretty much set in stone as long as he stays healthy without Dest and who knows what condition Alves is in. And then your your midfield three, as much as people said you got to rotate, if you're not going Gabi and De Young and Busquets, like I'm already hearing calls again for Ricky Puyo, who hasn't played in months and months. And then, as I've said many, many times, Nico is a sub this year. He's not ready to start these games. And the times that Barcelona truly struggles to move that ball in the midfield, and they do not even control the midfield, is when Nico starts right now. He's just not ready. He's a little bit too green, a little bit too raw to take on that responsibility. So that means you're left with Busquets, Gabi, and Young. That's you have. That's your midfield three. And then up top, I mean, it really is just throwing paint against a wall. And I understand, and I've defended why Ferran Torres starts, but he also might be a bit burned out because he does play almost 90 minutes. He did come off last time, yeah, sure, but he plays way too much. And Aubameyang... And his first touch is completely letting him down. And yeah, he's still scoring the goals. But against these low blocks, Aubameyang struggles because he has no space to run into. He has no space to run onto. And he's, you know, you might as well just start Luke Young. Honestly, against a low block like Ravikano, just start Luke Young and, you know, begin the frustration from minute one. If it's that meaning uh, Dembele on the left and Adama Traore on the right, which has not worked, by the way, at all. That Dembele, Adama Traore, and whether it's Memphis in the middle or Luke De Jong in the middle, it just it just hasn't worked at all. So yeah, I mean the depth of these squads, and it's not just Barcelona, as I said, it's the other top four or five as well. They just they don't have the same talent, you know, through twenty five players or even through fourteen to seventeen players that Real Madrid or Premier League teams have. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean it's frustrating because I mean you can blame it on so many things. You know why we don't have this? Why we have that, but I mean, at the end of the day, what we have, we've got to deal with it, and and yes, it's it's frustrating because there's not much you can do in the middle, you know, especially with the players, you know, being injured. There, there's not much you can do, you know. Then obviously you want more from them, but at the same time, just kind of remember they're they're human, you know. They you know they're gonna get tired, especially you know like Busi, you know that he's been playing every single minute. He starts every single match. I. I can't recall when was the last time that he didn't start, you know. And, you know, he's, obviously he's not the same as before. Again, you, like you said, mentioned that, you know, Adama and and Dembele playing on, together, one on the right, one on the left. It hasn't been working out, you know. Adama, they pretty much, the first couple of games, because they didn't know him, they didn't know how to defend him. Once they knew him, now what do they do? They double him. You know, and there's not much space for him to to do. He doesn't have a a good lefty, so there's no there's no other option for him to go. Aubameyang, the same thing. You know, it's frustrating to see, like you know, like we say when they play low block, there's no there's no space for him, and sometimes he just doesn't get the first touch, and and there's nobody else there to like 
can move and open a space for them. That's, I think, what is hurting the most right now from not having Pedri in is because he created that space that maybe Awamayan can get because of the movements and the tempo that Pedri is getting. Because you as a defender, you know Pedri's on the pitch. You know you have to focus on him because he can give you a pass. He Now we know he can shoot. You know, he can give you goals too from the outside the box. So now you as a defender, you have to be more aware of him. And that will create the space and, and for Aubameyang or for Dembele or for whoever's playing on the on, on the left. And unfortunately, we don't have it right now. And and it's and what we have sometimes they it doesn't it doesn't seem like they click. The players that currently are it, they don't click. Yeah, so I mean Barcelona was off target with their passing yesterday too. I mean and, and it wasn't the passing percentage was fine because again they called control possession, but that doesn't tell you the, the quality of the passes. The key passes were down, those balls over the top weren't working. And particularly De Young and Gabi, as you mentioned about Pedri, they were not unrelentingly pushing through the middle of the field. And so Raya Varcano was able to not to say kind of control the middle of the field, but they were forcing Barcelona to beat them on the wings. And you mentioned Busquets plays every minute. Well, so does Jordi Alba as well. And then on the other side, now you're talking about Araujo trying to beat them either with a pass as an outside back or with a run, and he's not going to do that. You know, if Araujo is going to beat you, it's going to be on a corner through the air. And, you know, it does bring up the point about PK too. I had the Pedri stat, but I mean, not saying that there's a, here's a positive, here's a silver lining. But yeah, where Barcelona is, is I made the argument that you could say Araujo has been their best defender, but I'll double dime with this stat that PK has been the most important influential defender. That the team, even if Araujo is individually better, the team's performances are better with PK on the field. He raises the level of the team, even if Araujo individually has been better. Because last 652 minutes for Barcelona with PK on the field, two goals against, one every 326 minutes. Last 390 minutes of Barcelona without PK on the field, eight goals against, one every 42 minutes. Wow. Right? So, like, it just, I mean, that tells you what you need to know that when PK is on the field, I know it feels like he gets caught out and there's a lot of problems, but not this season. He's been good this season, and they don't. The other yeah. the other team doesn't score against. They don't score against Barcelona when Pique is on the field. Even if Araujo is making all the blocks, even if he makes Araujo better, it seems like he improves his partner. And it's something about breaking it down again. It's and it's not a knock on Eric Garcia because he's 20 years old. It's not a knock on Langley because he doesn't play, and I don't think he's up to that level. But like people are like, oh, well, PK is going to be have to be replaced too, and. You know, you look at that center back core, and I don't think so. I mean, Christensen is on the way, and I don't see how Barcelona afford one more center back. I mean, he, he would have to be a free transfer or promotion to Miko Marmol, but that just is another player in Araujo and Eric Garcia that you're going to need to give minutes to who's 20 years old. That, that That's a Miko Marmol dilemma that you have enough youth. You need another experienced center back, and I don't know how Barcelona are going to possibly find that if they're trying to reinforce, and they need to reinforce the fullbacks. And they're probably going to need a winger or two with Dembele out and Adama Traore probably gone. And then Brothway and Luke de Young probably also gone. So they're going to need somebody else up top. That's why I mentioned Ferran Juglat at the start. And then the other positive I have for you, it's not really a positive, Jose. This is the last point I think about not only the show, but about yesterday's result as well. I know it was frustrating, but there were so many little moments that... I always wonder whether or not the opponent deserves something against Barca and what does Barca deserve in that game. But Gabi hitting the underside of the post, right? And then Ferran Torres was offside on that, the, the flick over his head that's, that scored a goal. But then Dembele getting a shot cleared off the line by Catania late on in that game, it made you feel like he was never meant to be. And then that VAR call, which, I mean, as in no call, no penalty, Gabi was taken down in the box. 
Like, no doubt, no doubt. He was taken down in the box. VAR got that one wrong. It's 100% a penalty. And obviously, they still have to score the penalty. But Memphis is pretty good at that. That's like one of the things that he's pretty much the only thing he's done in the second half of the season. <laughs> um, but yeah, between that VAR call, Dembele, again, having a shot blocked off the line, and then Gabi hitting the other side of the post. There's a path for Barcelona to have won that game. And against these low blocks, you do have to have something fortunate go your way. You do have to, you know, get those the game of inches to wind up putting the ball in the back of the net. So as much as there's a lot of gloom and doom, it's that weird thing where, yeah, Barcelona struggled. It was ugly. The mentality wasn't right. But also they could have won that game 3-1. And then what kind of discussion are we having today? I think we're still having the same you know, can Barcelona survive? Are they going to limp their way to the finish line? I think that was always going to be the narrative. They're going to limp their way to the finish line. Whether they win, lose, or draw? This team just doesn't have enough right now. But, you know, the smallest of margins is the difference between a one nothing loss for, to be, you know, to be a history-making third straight loss at home and a game where you wind up getting some points in the game in hand and now you're much more comfortable in second place. And that's what it is. And so, I mean, this weekend against Mallorca, it's going to be the same thing. They're fighting for their lives. They're in the relegation zone. So they're going to be, you know, trying to do this exact same thing, get an early goal, and then they're going to bunker in and do their best to make some more history at the Camp No. unfortunately for Barcelona. And so for Barca, you've got to come out early. You've got to punch Mallorca right in the Bayeric mouth that they have, and then and you got to take it to them because that's the only answer. You've got to make sure one of these, we'll say, lucky chances winds up going in. You have to make your own luck, and you've got to score within the first 15 minutes. I think that's, uh, if not, the mentality of this team is worrying to me. Jose, I'll give you the last word. Yeah, uh, going back to a little bit backtrack on what you said, you know, like there are these games that sometimes, you know, that you know it's going to end up like one of those that you're going to probably have like 20 shots, probably half of those on target, and the ball just doesn't go in. It was kind of like he had, it was kind of like a feeling like that yesterday, but you have the sense that it was going to go in regardless. You know, the VAR call, I've been hearing versions that, Supposedly there was an offside of Gabby at the beginning where I seen some screenshots where it's not even close to be an offside. So I, I end up not hearing what really the referee, you know, blew the whistle for. But I mean, like you said, it was a clear penalty, no doubt. I mean, but what can we expect? You know, we Barca, we don't get those type of calls. We rarely get one of those calls that is going to go our way. It's, it's frustrating on that aspect, but the caddies and Rayo, it seems like we're making the goalie the start, the MVP of the match, because with caddies, was the same thing. You know, goalie stops how many shots, and it wasn't our night. Again, we, like you said, we had to start the game with the right mentality, with the right track on what we need to do. Unfortunately, this Last games, we haven't done that. We haven't matched the tempo of the other team. Like you said, Caddies, Rayo, they're fighting for their their season. We, apparently, we were comfortable where we have, you know, and, and we just didn't match that, that tempo. And that's frustrating as a supporter because it's like you see the other team, they're hustling. And sometimes you see our players and they're like just looking at the ball or not hustling to try and get the ball. It's, I don't know, it's... It's a little bit frustrating. With Mallorca this upcoming weekend, the positive that I can see of this right now is that we're not going to play during the week. So you have a whole week, always most, you know, a couple of days to probably rest and then prepare for the match on, on Sunday. And again, they're going to be fighting for their relegation, trying to survive. 
us being probably rest for mentally not playing during the week, I think, and playing at home, I think that's going to help us. I think we're going to end up uh, getting the W. Might be a little bit harder than we think, especially because our players, again, they're mentally tired. And, you know, sometimes you want to do something, but your mind is blocking you and not letting you do what you want. And, like again, like you said, if you want to score early in the minutes of that match, it's going to build up that frustration, that frustration. And once you're frustrated, you're obviously not playing your game, and that's, that's just going to affect the whole transition of that game. So hopefully we do the right lineup. Hopefully our players are intensive in there. And, uh, and like you mentioned, our leader is there, Piquet, because he's the one that's putting our players on check during the match, you know, and as of now, when, you know, the stats that you just gave us, I mean, it's incredible, like, how a player, you know, with, just look at with Pedri, you know, two players, when they're not in the pitch, we're totally different team, so hopefully, they, they come out with the right mentality, and, you know, from the get-go, we score early, and then that's just going to build up for the match. Yeah, now with one match every week, you know, we're done with the two two matches in a week thing, Rotation is going to be out the window. You will see if healthy. I mean, again, that's been a big question. Ter Stegen is going to be in net. And then especially against Mallorca, it's going to be Alba. It's going to be either Lenglet or Eric Garcia, likely Eric Garcia. PK, if healthy. And then it'll be, I say, Araujo. I mean, obviously there. Especially, again, Danny Alves. I, if anything, I'd go against a low block. I would go Eric Garcia instead of Danny Alves on the right block. I mean, on, on the right. Even though that does allow you to bring somebody else into the midfield. I mean, that didn't really work too well against Kadith anyway. So, you know, or uh, sorry, against Real Sociedad anyway. And then in the midfield, it's obviously Busquets, Gabi, and Frankie de Jong. I said for all the reasons I've already mentioned. So Frankie just has going to have the time and the opportunity to figure it out. And then, yeah, up top, you know, I understand the argument, but other than, you know, Adama Traore is coming off the bench. Luke de Jong, you have to have him coming off the bench. Like, I understand the starting thing, but like, you can't have Luke de Jong go 70 minutes. He's much more valuable in the last 15, 20 minutes. You know, and he has been valuable in the last 15, 20 minutes that we've discussed before when things were going good. So I think you're going to still see the same starting three, either of Farron on the left and then Memphis in the middle and Dembele on the right, or you're going to see Farron on the left, Aubameyang in the middle and Dembele on the right. I think that's just what you're going to have to see. So basically the 11 that you watched struggled against Raya Vakanova, struggled against Kadith. It's going to be very similar 11s. It's not like one guy is going to change everything the way that Pedri would or you know, again, the only positive that you're kind of hanging your hat on is saying, hey, for the 10 minutes we might get to see Ansu or the five minutes we get to see Ansu, you know, that kid is capable in just a minute of making everybody forget all the doom and gloom. So I'm not putting that on him. No responsibility, no expectations, but just seeing him back on the field again is going to matter. And it matters every time yeah. that he gets that standing ovation at the Camp No, and it certainly does raise everybody's spirits. Again, all he has to do is walk on the grass run around a little bit i think it excites people enough but speaking of exciting people jose i think the i mean i've never been able to get out there of course i'm still waiting on the opportunity this stupid pandemic got in my way but i'm really <laughs> excited someday to get out to the the pena of los angeles so yeah where can people find the pena we do have a, a pretty good assortment of uh, los angeles based or california based listeners so yeah give us the 411 that's not the right zip code right am i <laughs> well you can find us in all our social platforms with that at Peña Barça LA and um, again we pretty much get together every every weekend whenever you know Barcelona plays regardless of the time obviously for us in the west coast 
you know, the early matches, 7 a.m., but we're there. And uh, we put all, you know, we put all our posts where we're going to be at and where you can find us. Any questions that you may have, we try to answer as quickly as we can. And you can just use us a DM if you're interested in finding us more about us. And we will gladly welcome and we do every other weekend. All right. Well, again, that was Jose Morataya of the Pena Blagrana Los Angeles. So again, just check him out where he told you. And also the show notes is a pretty easy way. Just check him out and then find all the links through his through his bio and all that stuff. But we are also on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Potter. I need 13 for me. Facebook group as well as our Patreon and YouTube is where we have the match reviews. And I know it's been so negative and there's gloom and doom, but there is some positivity, at least on the Barcelona podcast front. Yes, the logo has been exciting, but as you know, there is some more exciting stuff that I'm so excited. I'm hoping this week to announce. So we will have to see. So as that's why I would say, check out that video on Wednesday. I'm hoping that I have some stuff for you then. But most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Sports Barca. Barca.